there's clearly a scriptural precedent for being a mentor and being mentored by someone that's close to you. And then if you look outside in the business world, this is kind of like a universally recommended thing. Find someone with experience or share your experience with someone else. Mm -hmm. But when it gets down to purposefully establishing that relationship, is it going to be weird if I ask someone (laughs) to mentor me? Can I approach someone that's got less experience Mm -hmm. and have the audacity to say, (laughs) hello down there. I noticed that you're struggling. (laughs) Can I please mentor you? Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast from Real FM. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Hello and welcome to Real Talk. This is the podcast where we get real about everything from current events to culture and to faith. I'm Isaac with my buddies, Anson and Kara. Hey guys. Hello. You guys. This is the last episode of season four. Wow. The season finale. The season Crazy. finale. Man. When you call it a finale, it feels like it kind of adds some pressure. It does. Like something really dramatic has to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Like yes. That. Okay. Now we got that. Pressure out released. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now we- <laughs> Today we're talking about the importance of mentorship in regards to spiritual development and basically our relationship with other people. Full disclosure, I'm terrified about the idea of being a mentor sometimes, and I am mm. one. So, <laughs> yeah, crazy. I was going to say, you've had some experience recently. Yeah. Just a little bit, both being mentored and being a mentor. So, we're going to go in on it. But first, hypothetically speaking, are you guys ready? Ready. Absolutely. A middle-aged stranger turns up at your doorstep claiming to be your child from the future. Ooh. (laughs) What would it take for you to believe their claim? Wow. Ooh. It would take a lot. (laughs) I feel like. I mean, this is one of those like movie scenarios. If it is there a movie that this happens in? Yeah, Back to the Future. Back to the Future kind of thing. Okay. There's probably several movies where this actually occurs. Yeah. Yeah. In the movies, they usually do like the required disbelief scene. Yeah. You know, yes. Like, no, yeah, yeah. you're not. That's dumb. That doesn't happen. That's not a thing. And then there's like one thing that they do or something. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you're right. It it's is you. you. Right. Yeah. I should have known all along. They kind of get that out of the way so they can have like a buddy movie or right. whatever. I've always thought that those characters were way too easily persuaded. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if someone actually showed up on my door saying, hey, I'm your daughter from the future. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, my initial answer to this question is almost nothing. Like, I don't know how they could convince me. Yeah, that's a good point. You mean they couldn't bring up like your great grandma's middle name or something like that and instantly turn your mind around? I guess. Yeah, you could could probably like go research something like that. It'd have to be like a personal experience that we had together. Yes. Yes. That like no one else could know about. I gotcha. So they'd have to like bring up a memory. But I don't that. even know like what that would be. Like I, right. I can't. It'd have to be super. And it would be something you both have to remember. Too. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I should be like, remember that time when I was six and we did that? I'm like, no. no. <laughs> Slams the door in daughter's face. <laughs> and then the movie ends, right? Yeah. There's credits. credits like, no. Sad music plays. <laughs> Wow, this is a tough question. Honestly, my first response was not very deep. I thought, well, she probably have to have red hair, right? Like that would be a uh, yeah. thing. I don't know what would be the specific thing. Yeah. So if you have a brown headed child, you're like out of luck. But. Yeah, that's true. I know. Right. Which is <laughs> the like, first thing you say to them. You'll never convince me you're my child <laughs> ever. Ouch. <laughs> Who's your mom? <laughs> I have to go with the memory thing too. Like it has yeah. to be a specific memory that only the two of you yeah. knew about. I think it'd have to be like a cumulative 
thing. Sure. Yeah. Like, I don't know that there's any like one silver bullet, right? But no. like, they could say this one thing, and I would be like, oh, you're my daughter. Like, like, like we have to, like, yeah, we'd have to like sit down, get yeah, some coffee, but- <laughs> and like talk for a very long period of time yes. about a lot of stuff for that convincing yeah. to happen. Do you think you you'd know? give them multiple attempts if they mess up on the first one? So like if they present a memory <laughs> that you don't remember, would you entertain more attempts or would you Ooh. be like, no, nope, that was your one shot? Yeah, see, that's the thing is like, would would you be willing to entertain the possibility and like have a conversation about it long enough for that convincing to happen? Yeah. Or would you just shut it down and be like, no, this is weird. You need to leave. Yeah. I don't know. I think man. I would probably veer towards the second. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You just shut it down right I'd there. I'd be like, that's not a thing that can happen. <laughs> Please and you go, need away. To go away. Like, We're well, not interested. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen enough episodes of Doctor Who that I would be oh, like, yeah. let's okay. talk about this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so maybe your like affinity for science fiction yes. or for like time travel movies yeah. or these things would yep. play into your like, no, oh, I could entertain the fact yeah. that this could happen. Exactly. Yeah. I could be like, okay, well, I, I mean, you got to convince me, but tell me some more things. We do realize that we're now speaking this into the time line so <laughs> if you guys have children that are capable of time travel they can just use this as a reference there you go to maybe convince you exactly so, i'm just saying Ta-da. okay so does it make it easier for me the fact that i already have children if this happened to you guys at this point in your lives you don't have kids right oh, and so yeah. not only would they have to convince you that they're your child from the future but that you had children right that would be a lot harder you don't actually know anything about them yeah, yeah. So yeah. you you know nothing. You don't know if you've had a boy or a girl or uh, like all the way up to much more nuanced things than that. Yeah, yeah. So That's, you would literally know nothing about them. I feel like that would make it significantly harder for the would. two of you. I it think would. I think left to me, if I were in this position, I would have to bring Brian on it to suss out whether or not this yeah. was real. Because uh, I would be yeah. like, hey, point. more discerning one, come here. Yes, <laughs> right. same. This is ours. This is ours. <laughs> See, what would really freak me out is if like. You know, we're about to have our third child here in a few weeks. We're kind of thinking that's probably going to be the last one. Mm-hmm. Kind of uh-huh. thinking three is a good number. Yeah. What would really freak me out is if somebody like showed up at my door claiming to be my <laughs> child and it wasn't one of those three. Oh. Your fourth, your fourth yeah. child. Like, no, I'm your fourth child. I'd be like, no. no. At that point, I would definitely have slammed the door and be like, nope. No, Daddy, not, not happening. Daddy, let me in. <laughs> Go away. If it was, if they made a claim to be one of my other three existing yeah. children, I, I don't know. I guess I might have to listen to yeah. the spiel from what we've learned from this you're very hard to convince about this yes i I think it would take like a multi-hour long like sit down conversation where we'd have to like hash this out and kara you're thinking that because of science fiction and stuff (laughs) maybe you're open to the idea of it yes as long as they have red hair Uh, yeah yeah (laughs) no i yeah How many scammers are listening to this with red hair? Oh, I know, yeah. right? Ooh, so well. sketchy. I am open to a conversation. We'll say that. And like Isaac, okay. I will bring my more discerning uh, partner, Cody, along. because That's a good he, call. Yeah he, yeah. Will, he will ask all the questions and yeah. help me mm-hmm. when I'm like, I don't know. This seems legit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Now it is time for our top three, and we are kind of going with a theme here. I don't think this was really planned or on purpose, but we're talking about our kids potentially showing up on our doorstep and hypothetically speaking. And now to go along with the celebration of the fact that I have a third child on the way here in just a few weeks, we're going to go with top three favorite names or baby names, if you will. You can kind of have some latitude in this. They could be names that you might consider naming 
naming a future child. They could mm. be names maybe that when you were growing up, you wish that your name was this name mm, or just right. a name you've kind of always thought was cool, but you're not necessarily going to use it for your own kids. So I'll, I'll give you some latitude. We're going with top three favorite names. It'll be really interesting if someday somebody shows up on your doorstep <laughs> that is named one of these three names. Uh, Maybe that could be part of convincing you that yeah. they're actually your child. Unless for sure. they just so happen to run across this podcast. Actually, well, that's true. Or or a scammer that yeah, Sorry, carry on. this up. I yes. expect a good scam. Let's yeah. go away. All right. Okay, so we're going to go with top three favorites. Who wants to kick us off? I'll kick us off. All right, um, Isaac, go for it. Number three. I've pulled two family names into right. this. The first one is Commodore. Commodore? What? Do you have a family member? named Commodore? I have a cousin on my mom's side named Commodore. That well, is... had one. He's from back in the day. He was an older guy. Okay. His name yeah. was Commodore. I've seen photos of this guy and he looks like a suave dude named Commodore. That is epic. Yeah, he that went is wow. an epic name. He went by like, Com. I feel like you got to be a certain kind of person yeah, to make that you name do. work. Yeah. Like I'm imagining the ship captain. But. He was a swamp looking dude. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's we've, awesome. I've even jokingly talked with Bree about Commodore as a serious name. Yeah. So. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's How does she feel one. about that name? She's impressed by the name. <laughs> impressed um, by it. Not impressed by the idea of having a child yeah, named that. It, yeah. it started and ended with her going, what an interesting name. What a name. What yeah. a yeah. name. Okay. That's I like it. Awesome. Kara, how about your number three? My number three would be Amelia. Just because oh. I think it's a really pretty name and yeah. bonus. Also a Doctor Who reference to Amelia Pond. Mm, it's nice. a lovely. I just think it's a pretty name. I don't know. My names aren't going to be as fun and crazy probably as your guys because I like the really like classic, yeah. just like pretty yes. names. Yeah. So. No, you need some of those people because otherwise... Yeah. With Isaac and I, you have Commodores running around all yeah, over the place. Yeah, what so we're full of Commodores. It needs an Amelia. <laughs> yes, that's right. All right. Well, I'm going to go with a relatively simple name for my number three, too. And uh, for this one, I specifically picked one that I always like thought was a cool name back when I was a kid. Yeah. Okay. So whenever my like sisters roped me into playing house with them yes. and I had to choose a different name, that's awesome. my go-to name was Jack. Yeah, okay. I was like, Jack's like a classic name a classic back name. in the 90s. Like there were Jack. some Jacks that were pretty cool, yeah. like in movies and, and TV shows. And if, things. You, if you watch This Is and, Us, Jack oh. is like, OK, I'm not a This Is Us. Person, I know you're but, not, but yeah. it, there are some people listening who are like, you said Jack and they were like, yeah, that's where they uh, went. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Good to know. <laughs> Noted. But yeah, I mean, obviously very, very common name. Unlike my name, if I was ever kind of feeling like, oh, I wish my name was a little yeah. bit more normal or I had, you know, Jack was always the name I I was like, it's a good Jack's name. just a cool, it's like, your like it's a cool core, guy name, yeah, right? It's your like, norm core alter ego. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I don't you. know. I just felt like anyone who's named Jack has got to be gotta like be cool. decently yeah. cool. I think that's, yeah. yeah. I hate you guys for doing cool names. It's all right. My next two are getting weirder. It's <laughs> awesome. My second one is, again, I swear this is a family name. Okay. <laughs> On my dad's side, I'm going with Rufus. Oh, look at Rufus. you. I had a Rufus on my dad's side. He was a pilot. And uh, he had like a mustache. I'd no longer have the photo of him, but there was a photo of him at my grandparents' house. Okay. And it was Grandpa Rufus. And I was like, wow. oh my gosh. Okay. So see, I got to say like Commodore, I can't imagine someone not being like a, kind of a, almost a playboy type yeah. guy yeah, with yeah. the name Commodore. Smooth. Rufus, I feel like could go more either way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like you could have a cool epic guy named yeah. Rufus who yeah. goes on adventures yeah. and is a pilot and does crazy. Yeah. Or you could have like Goofball. Cheeto Mountain Dew Rufus. Like, <laughs> Cheeto Mountain Dew Rufus. Yeah. That's that's, I, feel, I feel like that one's a little bit yes. more. I don't know. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, that's glorious. <laughs> My number two is another classic and maybe speaks to my desire to live inside of a British 
TV show or something. <laughs> uh-huh. And that is uh, Charlotte. Feels very pretty, very classy. There isn't necessarily one specific character in the British realm that I've tied that to, but it feels kind of British, right? It feels it feels very classy. Yeah, it does. Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So there you go. All right. I like it. My number two, I'm going to go with a family name that's kind of unique and funky. And I'm going to give a little bit of a disclaimer here and say that I think we've probably ruled out using this name for our son who's ah. about to be born. Oh. And so I'm, I'm not giving anything away Good. because if I give away like state secrets, I'm pretty sure I, I might be <laughs> I might be sent off to like the gulag or something by Dree. <laughs> yeah. So the family name is my grandfather's name and actually my great grandfather's name, both of them on my mom's side. And the name is Alpha. What? Yo. Yes. You guys, how do you guys have like the coolest names my ever? My grandfather's in your name Alpha. was Alpha Alden Insminger. That is the coolest. And he went by Alden that because took the breath out of my life. Alpha Alden <laughs> Insminger. He went by Alden because he didn't really like the name Alpha. Wow. But apparently we were going back and looking at this. Alpha was actually a relatively popular boy's name in the late 1800s and early 1900s. Wow. And then since like the 20s and 30s, yeah. it's like dropped off a cliff and no one names their kid Alpha anymore. It's so That's fascinating. So cool. And it's kind of funky because I was like, if, if we named our kid Alpha, I feel like all these people would be like, really? Alpha? Yeah, like, like you're so, like, yeah. Or is your child like from Star Trek or something? Like it sounds like really <laughs> yeah. futuristic. Yeah. And the ironic thing is it's actually really old really and old. Classic. It's like retro. Yeah. Right. Character. Sounds like a cyberpunk detective's name. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 We, awesome. uh, we had joked about pairing it with my um, grandpa on the other side. My two grandpa's names were Alpha and Max. Oh and my God. Max Gosh. is a very traditional name. But when you pair it with Alpha, all of a sudden it sounds like to the Max instead yeah. of uh, the yeah. classic. So like Alpha Max Buyer. Like it sounds like a video game it character. Does. To me. It does. Yeah. It totally does. And I just don't think I quite have the guts to name my child <laughs> Alpha. Of Max. In my head, even I'm though I kind of want to. Yeah. <laughs> in my head, Anson, I'm picturing at some point in history, Commodore Knight and Alpha. What was his last name? Alpha, Alpha. Insminger. Alpha Insminger crossed paths. <laughs> oh briefly. my gosh. Yeah. They had a sturdy handshake and kept walking. <laughs> I bet so. So, my number one is from a fictional character that my dad created during bedtime stories when I was a kid. Oh. That's like the best that is, setup yes. in the so world. Cool. And I cannot so, wait to hear what this character's okay. name yeah. is. So in my head, I always pictured kind of a Colonel Sanders looking dude uh-huh. with a big pompadour haircut. Okay. His name is Earl Buffondu. Oh my god. And his protege, Earl Buffondu Jr. Is Buffondu the last name? Buffondu is, is the, the last name. Okay. So okay, that's Earl, but it was always full name. Earl Buffondu. Right, yeah. He had yeah, with a name like that, it's you always got to use the yeah. whole thing. Oh, yeah. He yeah. had a barbershop and his pompadour was so stiff that it was made of concrete and it oh never, my never faltered in the wind. And he went on adventures with people he oh. gave haircuts to. What a notable man. Oh, yes. my goodness. <laughs> so anytime, like anytime you can do like a create a character, I always throw Earl Buffondu in. Earl Buffondu. Because why not? Did he just That's... come up with that off the top of his head? Or do you know if there's I don't any know. sort of backstory to that? I think that one night I asked him to tell me a story yeah. and he just and he shot just... it. That's amazing. And it just, it was a dunk. That's right pretty that. epic. So have you broached that one with Brie? Like, hey, um, <laughs> you ever considered Bufondu? Maybe even as a middle name. As, yeah. as someone who has gone by the nickname of his middle name, I just feel like middle names can be just yeah. whatever. Right. So yeah, yeah. Maybe serious name and then like hero maverick or old Bufondu Jr. Like, <laughs> why not? Weaver. Toss the kitchen sink in the <laughs> yeah. middle there. That's, fantastic. I like it. That is a fantastic name. Awesome. So my number one is also a family name, but in a slightly different direction here. Okay. It's actually my mom's maiden name. It is Drent, 
which is a very Dutch name, I think is kind of its origins. Okay, yeah. And I've always just kind of thought, you know, that could make a cool boy's name. Uh, like Drent. It's almost yes. like Trent, but not with with a D. Gotcha. And so See, when you first said it, I was thinking like Amelia Trent. Like it sounds oh, like, yes, a, it could mm, be like that. a surname yeah. for, or yeah. Right. But, it could be a surname right, for Amelia. Yeah. That's or, actually <laughs> really popular lately though. It's like taking surnames and yeah. using them as first is names. Is it? So, I didn't know yeah. that. I've always it's thought kind it. of a trendy thing to do. Yeah. I always thought it could be kind of cool. You and, could derive a cool nickname of D-Rent out of that too. Yeah. There hey, you what go. up, D-Rent? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yes. There you go. We can always go to Isaac to generate nicknames yes. based off of we'll, whatever names we choose. We'll come to you for that. Nickname generator. That's fantastic. All right. For my first name, another name that I just I've always thought was cool and again it's one we've kind of talked about as a potential name for our son but probably not going to go this direction again because I'm not sure that we're brave enough Uh, (laughs) but I've always thought the name Apollo was really really cool like there's the speed skater Apollo Anton Ono yeah you know who has like the coolest name in the history of names Uh like all that's another one of those names that everyone calls him by his full name because you can't not like Apollo Anton Ono yeah or like there's a guy his name is Apollo Price and I was like that's like a cool he sounds like a boxer like (laughs) yeah immediately I was like yeah yeah, like Apollo Price like (laughs) I've always thought like the name Apollo was really cool that is a cool name but again I'm just I'm not sure brave enough to actually name a child that that's the problem that i get to with all these names is i'm like i'm fascinated to see what isaac ends up doing someday if he has a son (laughs) and has to name his son because i'm like you come up with all these epic ideas you're like that sounds pretty gnarly yeah and then it comes down to it and there's a real live actual baby yeah that you're going to (laughs) saddle with a name for the rest of his or her life you have to examine yourself and be like can i really name this child this thing yeah oh yeah and sleep well at night about it that's a good and when push comes to shove i don't know it gets a little bit more difficult so you way overestimate how much character i have It's true. I, I I couldn't quite go through with it, but I believe Isaac that, that you. you'll be able to. So I'm ready. if Bree doesn't little. stop you first. <laughs> it's my turn this week for confession session, which is a thing I hope maybe we'll do away with for the next season because it's way too revealing. <laughs> but for this week, my confession is that I have a chronic. I'm sorry problem. It's kind of a disease. (laughs) My therapist and I talked about it this week, which was a really, really good conversation. And it comes from this weird place of feeling over responsible for all kinds of things that are out of my control. Mm. But I feel responsible for them anyway. For instance, you apologized for your voice. I did. Yes. A little earlier. I'm having a problem with my voice today. (laughs) I apologize for that. Yeah. It comes out at really weird times and throughout my life, people have called me on it and they've been like, dude, you apologize for everything. This is ridiculous. Like, stop it. And I've always thought like, well, I mean, I'm just trying to be considerate and nice. I'm just trying to be polite, but it it gets to this point and I've noticed it more since I've gotten married where it passes that point Mm. of like niceness and politeness. And it goes into this territory of like legit annoying and also kind of burdensome. If I'm constantly apologizing for my presence 
in the world and my opinions, it almost leaves the burden on other people around me to have to like validate me and pull me out of that. It almost leaves everyone else to be like, oh, no, 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 it's not a big deal. And, you know, yeah, that's an interesting point. I know there are all kinds of different angles I've seen this from this week. And some roommates in college once told me, you say, I'm sorry all the time. It's really annoying. And I was like, well, I don't know what to do about that. (laughs) Will you respond with, I'm sorry. I did do that immediately. (laughs) I know (laughs) it was interesting. My counselor this week said, a really interesting phrase to me when I told her that she said, what they were telling you is that they value your presence and your opinion. And Mm. so when you apologize for it, it's annoying because they value you. Right. And I was like, you don't need to apologize if they value you. Right. And I was like, Oh, that's what that means. I just Mm. thought they were like, this is annoying. You should stop it. And I was like, I didn't put that together at all. They may not have even put that together. No, exactly. So it's been really interesting this week to try to be more aware of it. And of course there are places in life where it's appropriate to say, I'm sorry. But the thing is, when you say it so often, it almost takes Mm. the meaning out of it. So it's really difficult pattern to break. <laughs> I'm learning. Yeah. Um, but it's something that I'm thinking a lot about this week and kind of processing yeah. with people around me. I think a lot of us have those verbal and emotional crutches that we fall back Mm -hmm. on in certain situations. And that certainly is one that I think sometimes we're guilty of. Yeah. And it is interesting because there have been times where you run across people who don't do that and are kind of on the opposite side where they like never apologize for anything. And that can be really frustrating at times too. And I think, like you said, there are circumstances where it's appropriate. You know, like I hear a lot of times people will say like, I'm sorry for something and someone will respond back like, well, you don't need to be sorry because it's not your fault. Yes. I'm like, well, okay, that's not what that but means. That's not what that means. Right. <laughs> They're just trying to express empathy for you. Like, right. I'm yes. sorry that happened to you. Or, yes. And I'm like, that that's fine. That's like, I'm, different. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. No. But what you're talking about is I accept personal responsibility yes. for things that I really bear no responsibility right. for. Or, yeah. or I'm apologizing just for taking up space in the world. Yeah. Like, I'm right. apologizing for existing half the time. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. That doesn't need to be the most in instinctive words that come out of my mouth every yeah. time. So and for someone else who maybe struggles with something similar, obviously this is still something very much that you're in uh, yeah. process and yeah. in terms of like working on, but is there anything that you found that like mm. kind of works for you or helps you like in those moments where like you yeah, feel compelled instinct, for that yeah. to come out of your mouth? Like, Is there something you think about or say instead? I'm still working on it. One thing that I have tried in the past that I want to keep trying is to say thank you instead of I'm sorry. I don't know. Say you're trying to explain something to someone and you're having Mm -hmm. trouble getting your words out instead of saying, I'm sorry, I'm such a mess and I can't use my words right or I don't know Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about and I'm, I'm all over the place. Say thank you for listening to me and helping me process this. Like this is, this has been weighing on me. I really appreciate your time and attention. Like, That's pretty powerful. It puts you in this place of humility where you're recognizing that you're giving of yourself to me and and there's maybe some sacrifice for you involved in this, but you know, thank you. Thanks for choosing. It puts the attention back on them instead of on yourself. Like you were saying about how apologizing sometimes can do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one thing that I've tried, but I'm definitely still kind of learning and, and growing in that area.
Okay, guys, let's get down to it. We're talking about mentorship on this episode, and we're all believers in this room. We've all read the Bible and seen the various examples of mentor-mentee relationships Mm. in the Bible. Mm -hmm. There's clearly a scriptural precedent for being a mentor and being mentored by someone that's close to you. Mm. And then if you look outside in the business world and really just any part of secular culture as well, this is kind of like a universally recommended thing of find someone with experience, cling Mm. to them, or share your experience with someone else. Yeah. We all understand it's a good thing conceptually, mm. but when it gets down to purposefully establishing that relationship, right. yes. we kind of get in the weeds of like, is it going to be weird if I ask someone <laughs> yes. to mentor right. me? Like, are they going to look at me like I'm a weirdo and a freak? Like, <laughs> right. Or even worse, can I approach someone that's got less experience than me and have the audacity to say, hello down there. What if I mentored you? Yeah. I noticed that you're struggling. Can I please mentor you? May I be the Tony Stark? How do yeah. we do that? So that's kind of what I wanted to talk with you guys about today. Yeah, nice. those are two really great points. I don't know that we really have to make the case that mentoring relationships are a good idea. Yeah. Because yeah. like you said, I feel like almost everyone yeah. theoretically yeah. says like, this would probably be good. Mm. We can learn from one another. Yeah. One of the primary ways that we grow as people is through relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we see that happening in much less formal ways all the time. Right. And so wouldn't it make sense in certain areas of our lives to kind of formalize that relationship a little bit, yes. whether it be in the business world or spiritually or whatever yeah. to help us grow in a particular area. Like yeah. that, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah. then what you're saying is making that happen in practicality, especially initially, yeah. like mm. jump starting that relationship with someone mm. seems to be one of the hardest parts. Like, sure. do you try to let it kind of just happen naturally with someone? Mm. Do you actually go and formally ask someone like to <laughs> begin a relationship in that way? Or it's is almost it some like mix dating. between the two? Yeah. It is like dating. That's a good point. Wow. We're going to have a DTR. (laughs) Right. And then there's kind of a certain feeling that you get from whichever side of that relationship that you're on that I think you were just kind of describing, which is if you're on the the mentoring side, is this too prideful of a thing? Like, is it okay to claim like the title of being a mentor because it it feels like a little bit prideful? Hmm. And then on the opposite side, like seeking someone to mentor you can feel like, uh, (laughs) that exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All of a sudden I'm feeling like I'm kind of making myself feel inferior. And like, you know, do I want to subjugate myself to somebody else's expertise and recommendations. Should I not feel confident in my own abilities? Like, you know, so I think those are all challenges that we face when we're walking into these relationships. I've never thought about that aspect of it, of, of feeling like, I mean, there are times where I feel like I should know how to do this on my own, but I crave input so much. Mm. I sort of collect mentors. I think (laughs) (laughs) I have, I don't know, from over the years, like just a core group of older women, I've just kind of gravitated towards And I want to like soak up everything that they've got. Like I just, I crave their wisdom and their knowledge and understanding. And I'm like, please tell me what is going on in my head (laughs) and my life. Please help me understand because I don't have a clue what I'm doing. And they actually end up being more friendships is what's interesting to me. So a lot of times I think of the word, oh, mentorship. And like you're saying, it feels and sounds very formal and it can be. But I feel like in my case, it's almost always starting or finishing in friendship where it doesn't feel like this weird one up, one down relationship. It just feels like we're we're learning from each other. Maybe that takes some of the awkwardness out of it when you kind of remove this like kind of tiered view of it that one person is above the other. I think so. 
you bring up a really interesting point too, Kara, which is that I think personality probably mm. has a lot to do with how we feel about these various yes. potential relationships. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to play into which ones feel more appealing or less appealing. For example, I, I've heard this phrase before. And I don't know if you've heard people talk about this, but people say that you should have three types of relationships with people. Mm-hmm. You should have people that are walking ahead of you in mm-hmm. things. You should have people that are walking with you in things yes. or beside you. And then you should have people that are walking behind you. Yeah. And you want to have all three of those types of relationships in your life yeah. for an appropriate level of balance, if you will. Right. Because there are things you can learn and grow from in all three of those types of relationships. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. you're missing one, yeah. there can be a little bit of a hole there in your development. Yeah. The thing is, what you're kind of tapping into is that for some people, one of those may be easier than another. Yeah, definitely. So what if we kind of started with talking about someone walking ahead of you? In other words, having someone that mentors you. Yeah. It sounds like you're saying of maybe the three, that might be one of the ones that's easiest for you to kind of tap into. It's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) My quote mentors have really become some of my best friends in the whole world. I cannot imagine my life without them. Like legit. So it's been an extremely valuable thing in my life. Just having someone like go, hey, it's okay. What you're going through is normal. Then where you are, you can breathe. It's going to be okay. Even if that's all a mentor does, like that's hugely impactful and valuable. But there's so much more than that. Like I feel like my mentors have helped me untangle different things in my life and help me learn my own patterns, help me say, hey, I've observed you in this way. And here's when you seem to be your strongest. Here's where you're weakest. They champion me in different ways. And I don't know, I could kind of go on and on. I can't really say enough good (laughs) about what this has done in my life. Yeah. I would say that's the one I gravitate towards more naturally. You mentioned that you actively seek input in this context with these people that you consider first mentors, now Mm -hmm. friends, or Mm -hmm. however that relationship developed. Yeah. Did that begin as kind of a formal, Hey, like I want to hang around you because you've been doing this longer than I have, or was it just a, you Um, met them and it just worked out that way? That's a good question. So of my current mentors, One of them is a coworker that I just happen to be working around all the time. And we basically have a very similar job. And so I just started spending time with her learning first some of the like, how do you handle these aspects of the job and things like that? And then the more time we spent together, the more we became friends and and Mm. input in all the other areas of my life. So that was kind of a circumstantial thing, I would say. The other two, I don't know that I necessarily sought it out as a formal. I remember talking to them at a, at an event for work. And then actually, I think she sent me an email and she actually reached out to me. That's cool. And this is interesting. She said, I feel like God is leading me into speaking into someone's life. God's wanting me to mentor someone. And I'm wondering if it's you, would you be interested in meeting? And, and like, you were open to that. That was oh, cool. Yeah. And, okay. and I knew that from my interaction with her, I was like, yeah, totally. I had wow. just moved to a new place. Mm. And so I was very much like, yes, I need friends. I need input. I need this. She and, an, and another friend with her had both been thinking that. And so we started meeting a little bit formally at first yeah. and then very quickly turned into more informal, more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know. But that did start relatively formal though. Like yeah, it was, I guess that's, it did. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. That, w- yeah. that one in particular did, but others have been more natural, but I have approached people before and just said, Hey, will you be my mentor? Okay. Because I think you're cool. And like, I want to learn from you. I have done that. And that is a little bit scary because yeah. there's always the chance that they can be like, eh, no. And no. <laughs> 
streams crushed. Yeah, which didn't happen. But yeah. they did say to me, I remember one of them said to me, can you tell me what your expectations are for that? Wow. Which is a really helpful mm. question. They were like, what do you expect out of a relationship like that? Yeah, sure. So that was helpful. It does yeah. seem like a lot of the time when we get over that initial like kind of hump of awkwardness uh-huh. I guess, at the uh-huh. beginning, people usually are pretty receptive sure. yeah. when we ask questions like, do you want to be my friend? Like, right. I mean, yeah. we're so afraid to ask that question I to know. people like because it yeah. sounds weird or it sounds kitschy or like yeah. but seriously I think sometimes yeah. actually saying it that way is kind of an appropriate thing to ask and, yeah or in, in a mentor mentee relationship asking that question of just saying like I really like hanging out with you can we do that more yeah. most people when they hear that they're like absolutely like yeah that's so amazing that someone yeah. just asked me that question I like I think yeah. most of the time we would respond really positively well, that's to what that. I'm thinking. Like if somebody asked you that, how would you respond? If someone was like, I think you're really cool and I want to spend time with you. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. Stoked on that. <laughs> yeah. Like the, yeah. 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 See, I think I struggle more in this area. Mm-hmm. This is of the three, probably the one that I feel like I struggle with the most. Yeah. I think it's because I'm kind of a prideful person. <laughs> And I know that about myself. I know that it's a struggle of mine. Mm -hmm. Like in a good way, I have self-confidence, right? Like that's how it expresses itself positively. Like I believe in my own ability. I am confident when I go out and try to learn something new that I can figure this out. I can become competent in this area. When it gets out of hand, it (laughs) it can become a prideful thing. And one of the ways I think that that manifests itself is feeling like I don't need to ask for help. And that's the way that I view seeking a mentor. I don't always want help. I kind of want to figure it out on my own. And yet the times when I get help or when I go listen to someone who is clearly smarter than me or is more experienced than me. I always come away from those interactions going, wow, that was really helpful. I'm going to take a lot of notes and I learned all these things from this person. I'm going to apply this. And, Mm. and so when I approach it in the right mindset, it's always really positive. It's just kind of getting to that point Mm. mentally where I'm willing to accept that. And I find that it's easiest to do with people that are physically older than me. Yes. And I don't know if Kara, if most, most yeah. of your mentors would they are. slot into that category. Yep, yeah. they're mostly a little bit older than me. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it has to be that way. Like, yeah. I don't think there's anything magical about age necessarily. Yeah. That no. means that you couldn't have a mentor that's the same age as you or even younger than you. Yeah. yeah. But especially when I struggle with it, I feel mm-hmm. like it's a little bit easier for me to accept being mentored by someone who I can kind of physically see they have more experience than me. So it makes sense that they would know more than you. Right. I can kind of more logically accept that when it's someone who is more of a peer in terms of age Mm, or like position or whatever. Or they feel more like competition rather than like, which is a threat almost. That competitiveness is a huge part of it. You're so right. Because so often I'm like, I don't want to learn from them. I want to beat them. (laughs) (laughs) See, I totally get that because when we talk about people ahead of you being mentors, the whole concept of someone walking with you in life. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously Mm -hmm. we're we're all married now to each other, but we've got wives (laughs) and husbands. Um, That'd be weird. <laughs> we have someone walking with us in marriage, but I think that in friendship, especially regarding this mentor context, mm-hmm. it's different, right? It is. So it's someone close to your age, close to your profession or something mm. that's going beside you. I'm kind of like you. I'm not as competitive as you are, mm. but I do feel this sense of either superiority or inferiority, depending uh, on where people hmm. land in my circle. That's interesting. And yeah. it makes, I'm going to admit, like it makes having friends at this stage in my life, really difficult because Mm -hmm. my comfort zone, I would always prefer to be ahead of people, 
but then that doesn't push me at all. Mm. And then like when I want to try to go be friends with people who are a little bit ahead of the curve with me, but still my age, yeah, I feel like, Oh well, man, I don't want to hang around with them. Yeah. I feel bad about what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah. like, I never really that know where sense. that sweet spot is. Can I make a really generalized statement about friendships and and peers and people mm-hmm. walking alongside you? From my experience, guys are really bad at that. Mm. Just in general, yeah. Wow. Like, and not every guy is bad at it. I know I'm generalizing, but I really do think there's something to the fact that men, in particular, have a really hard time mm. with peers and friendships. Yeah, and developing those into something really meaningful. Yeah. The problem is they're incredibly valuable and critical to so many aspects of our lives. And yet Mm. I feel like as guys, we just really struggle with this. And I see this all the time with the way my wife and I handle our relationships with friends and how we do it very differently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My wife is constantly seeking out peer groups for different things in her life. So she's part of groups on motherhood and all of these moms are constantly asking questions about being a mom and and trying to get feedback from each other. And as guys, like we just don't do that. That as a concept is blowing my mind right now. (laughs) We just don't seek out groups of peers Mm. to get input from because our perception is if we're not doing it on our own, then we're not doing it well. That's oh, wow. the John Wayne syndrome. That's exactly. So rough. And women, I think, just generally are much more okay with the idea of like crowdsourcing their yeah. knowledge in an area. They're like, let's do it together. If I don't know how to be a mom. Why don't I do it with all these other moms and Heck we'll yes. figure it out together? That'd make it so much easier. Yeah. That makes total sense to me in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not how it plays out for guys yeah, most of the not time. At all. Which is not dumb. At all. And that feels so, that's so much pressure for you guys that is unnecessary. In my head, it feels unnecessary, but I get it. Like that's the culture that exists. That's the expectation we've established. Right. Yeah. And that most guys have kind of handed down to each other. There's like, oh, we're, we're, we just, we're tough and we don't need people and we're, we can do this on our own. And I'm so sorry that you have to deal with that. And that's a genuine, I'm sorry. That's not a me like being <laughs> yeah, yeah. like that's We've talked sucks. about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's weird. It's less like an immediate danger that I'm just dealing with every day, but it's more annoying when I'm yeah. sitting there trying to figure out plans for a week. And I just go like, I don't know what I want to do. Like there are people who I want to mm. hang out with, but they're always a little bit more ahead of the curve with me. And then mm. most of the time I'm just bummed out that I'm not doing what they're doing. And then yeah, just, that's I don't tough. know. I feel like for young men in particular is Mm. when this is the hardest. When you're coming out of college, the transition out of college, I feel like is really hard, not just for guys, but probably for everyone. My wife and I Mm -hmm. both experienced this in college. You're living in dorms or apartments with roommates and lots of other people. You're in really close proximity to a Mm -hmm. bunch of peers all of the time. And that proximity breeds like relationships Mm -hmm. in a really like deep way, really quickly. Like you can develop deep relationships much more quickly because of the amount of time you spend together. Right. And then all of a sudden you move out of your apartment or your dorm, Mm. your friends move away or spread out across the country. And then you have to start making new relationships, but you're trying to make those relationships maybe with people at work or from church or things where basically you're seeing people maybe like once a week or maybe daily, but like at work, but just for an Mm. hour here or a few, really more like a few minutes there or in a meeting here, you're not living life together. Like you are in college. And so that transition, I think, is really difficult. Just in in the last year or two, I finally had a a couple people in my life and it really is a a two way street where 
not only did a couple people in my life say, hey, I need a friend and I want you to be my friend. That's awesome. I had to reciprocate that as well. I had spent, I don't know how many years waiting for somebody to say that to me. Yeah. Hey, I want to be your friend. And then I would be like, yes, finally, like someone wants to be my friend. Let's (laughs) do it. Right. But I was always waiting for someone else to initiate that. Yeah. And it finally took me kind of going this person in my life. I think we would get along great and it would be awesome for us to spend more time with each other than we're doing. Hmm. Why don't I try to help initiate this? Right. And some of that has meant like sending a text to a guy friend and saying, Hey, I really appreciate our friendship right now. And it means a lot to me. Wow. And that's the kind of thing that guys just don't say very often. And I've said that to just a couple people in the last year, them saying that back to me and me saying that to them opened us up to some new possibilities in our relationship that just didn't exist before or felt kind of off limits or weird before. Yeah. And so that it's it's kind of an intimate thing to tell someone that, Hey, you're a really important person in my life. And I really appreciate the relationship that we have. Yeah. But once you kind of cross that bridge, all of a sudden now it's like everything from, hey, I've had a bad day and I need someone to talk about it with Mm -hmm. to, hey, I need to borrow a tool. Sending those texts to each other or phone calls or knocking on each other's doors like that becomes acceptable because we've Mm -hmm. kind of crossed that threshold of saying, hey, we're both Mm -hmm. important to each other. We've acknowledged it. We've gotten the awkwardness out of the way. And now we can can just be peers and friends. That's cool. But, But it takes some really intentional effort on the part of both people mm. to kind of cross that threshold. Yeah. It takes a lot of vulnerability. The threshold of awkwardness. Yes. Call it. <laughs> 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 That's the hardest part I think is getting over that point. Agreed. But once you get past it, it's the best. Yeah. It really opens up so many possibilities for support. And yeah, I've had some really great late night coffee conversations with friends lately. And stuff. like, I think I told my wife, I don't remember when this was, this was maybe like four or five months ago, I went out to get coffee with a guy friend. It was like nine o'clock at night, like after the kids went to bed because he has kids as well. And we went out and had a coffee date. That's awesome. (laughs) And like I got back home and Drew was like, how'd it go? And I was like, good. I was like, this is the first time I have gone out somewhere to meet with one other guy to just hang out and talk in forever i mean yeah. i, I literally awesome. could not think of another time i had ever done that wow wow and uh, that's great so it, i'm still very new to this yeah but, but i'm making some progress in this area yeah. finally and it feels really good that's really cool that's amazing so i'm kind of interested isaac i want to ask you specifically about this we've covered now someone walking ahead of you someone walking with you but i'm interested in kind of the someone walking behind you yeah mentoring someone else you've kind of formalized this with the big brother's big sister i thing. have a title with it now. You actually are like an official (laughs) mentor, not just like theoretically, but like very specifically. You'll notice that I brought my card with me today. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So about a year and a half ago, almost two years now, I was approached by someone who is awesome and she's working with big brother, big sister. Mm -hmm. And she was like, Hey, I have this little guy who I think would be awesome for you to hang out with. I had not even considered that because I myself was like, what do I have to offer to a little kid? Mm -hmm. Uh Like, really moldable and like, I don't know if that's a good idea, Um, (laughs) but I ended up hanging out with him and this was after she assured me, she's like, no, you need to do this. Mm. And I was going, okay. I was caught up in this whole mindset of I'm going to have to be like Yoda automatically. Like I'm going (laughs) to have to have these wise sayings and all of this wisdom to impart. And honestly, what I found, his name is Brendan. Shout out to Brendan. You're awesome, dude. We've hung out for about two years now and it has been the coolest experience getting reminded what it's like to be 11 and 12 years old again. 
And when he's talking about how I had a girlfriend today and then we decided that we weren't going to date anymore. I said, <laughs> when did this happen? He goes, uh, between lunch and third period. <laughs> It's like so much happens. Life, life so comes fast. at you fast, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, we, amazing. we established just this routine where we go and play basketball as as frequently as my schedule allows. I try to see him three or four times a month. And mm. it's just been awesome not to go off the cliche. Of, He's taught me so much, but <laughs> we'll be out playing basketball and my antisocial tendencies of well, I'm here with Brendan. We need to focus on Brendan. Mm-hmm. He will go out and actively seek people out to play with us. Oh. Like we'll be at a public space and he'll go like, hey, let's ask him if they want to come over. And I have to catch myself from being like, no, we don't know them. Yeah. And then yeah. like, Stranger danger. Yeah, dude, let's do it. <laughs> and then that puts me out of my comfort zone. Mm. For me, being a mentor to someone a little bit behind me means you go past this level of friendship where you're not afraid to both be an encourager, but also kind of be the dissenting opinion sometimes where we have this thing where like he knows if I catch him in something that isn't necessarily what we're about. Mm. I have no hesitation of being like, we need to stop that. Mm. That stops Mm. now. Not from like a disciplinarian perspective, but just I know that I've Mm. made decisions that I regret and I don't want you to make those. And Mm. this is why. And we're open about that. Like, I'm like, hey, maybe the certain group of people that I've been hearing about what they're doing, it's not a good idea. It's just this weird dynamic past friendship, but still friendship where Mm. we've invested enough time with one another. It matters that I say things now about that. Mm. And you can't do that right off the bat. You know what I mean? Like you have to have a friendship with someone there or some sort of relationship before you start trying to like check actions or (laughs) you have to build the trust. first. Right. Yeah. 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 And that's been the biggest thing was. When I initially started being a mentor, I was worried that I would have to immediately have this wisdom to impart. Yes. And now I know like he wouldn't have even listened to me if I had any. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because you hadn't earned it yet. Right. Yeah. But That's there's cool. something really special about being able to help someone who's a little bit behind you just to watch them grow, not mm. only physically, but like in their relationships with people, in their school career and just everything Knowing that you've got a hand in helping that out is so cool. That is so cool. See, this this area intimidates me a little bit more. There's been times in my life where I feel like I've had more. I don't know if I would say formal, but I've had these people very intentionally in my life where I've approached them and been like, hey, do you want to meet and like go through this book, you know, or Mm. things like that. And I think the biggest struggle for me in this area is that over responsibility thing I was talking about. Mm. I feel like it's my job to fix or mm. yeah. like make things right in their you life. Be the Yoda. And yeah. yeah, I want to be Yoda like you. And I cannot control what they do. And so you get a little like teenage girl all up in her <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I'm not, okay. So tell me about that. And yeah, I just yeah. feel sometimes I just feel like I am so far out of my league. I have mm, no yeah. idea what I'm doing. And yet sometimes the most valuable parts of those relationships I've had in the past have come in those moments. Like you're talking about Isaac, for me, it's not on the basketball court, but it's, you know, baking cookies or watching a movie or whatever. I feel like I've had a few experiences with that where I've gotten overwhelmed and I've felt inequipped and it's kind of fallen apart and it's kind of made me a little bit gun shy. I don't know. Can I handle it? And so I'm struggling a little bit in this area for myself right now for investing in someone behind me. I totally get that. I share the fear of what happens if they don't heed my advice and they just mess something up. One of the ways that I've kind of pushed back against that in my own head is people messing up is inevitable. Mm. Whether they're 
behind you as a mentee or they're ahead of you. Like everyone will disappoint you on a long enough time frame, but you have to allow them to do that. I just know that eventually if Brendan does mess up when he messes up, Mm -hmm. it's better that I'm there with him in it Mm -hmm. than not. And that's, I've kind of just bought into that. I know that this is coming big or small. I'm going to be there with it. If we hang out long enough and I fully plan to, he'll be there for me in some Mm. regard when that happens on my end. So it's just kind of this mutual. That's really cool. This mutual agreement that we're going to be with each other, whether or not we let each other down. That's Yeah, I like that. Which is an interesting point as well. Obviously, the cliche with a lot of like mentor relationships is like I was mentoring him or her, but. I got so much out of it in return. Right. right. But obviously that's probably a cliche for a reason because there's truth to it. I think from a selfish perspective, someone might be able to say, okay, I get someone walking ahead of me. Yeah. I get someone walking with me. Like I need those things for my own personal Mm. growth and development. Mm -hmm. If we're just approaching it from like a selfish perspective, just for a moment, what does someone walking behind you offer you yeah. in terms of like growth and development that you wouldn't be able to get if you didn't have that yeah. relationship. It's taught me that you need to closely examine your own actions because what you do is completely separate than what you say. It's one thing to say, well, these are the things you should do. These are the things you shouldn't do. When you're mm-hmm. actively walking that out with someone, you have to check yourself a little bit. And it's mm-hmm. taught me to be vulnerable with someone to tell him, mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to that. I don't know why certain people that you feel like should be in your life aren't in your life. I can't answer that. I don't know why God's doing this right now, but Mm. I'm here with you in it. I've never really said that to someone else being a friend with someone, you know, Mm. like I've never really had an opportunity to say, look, I'm with you no matter what, man, we're locked in. Having that purposeful commitment to somebody other than my wife is kind of new to me. Big brother, big sister ends after a certain point formally. Right. And he's asked, well, what happens when that's done? And I've told him, I'm like, you still got me, whether or not you want me. Like, (laughs) this is just what you get now. (laughs) And it's kind of cool that we have that safety net of someone else. Okay, guys, I'm going to nerd out on you for a second. I was reading an article the other day about Endgame. It was an article really about friendship. It sort of made me feel all the things. And it (laughs) I feel like it fits really well in with this conversation and also with our previous podcast. The guy's talking about the vocation of friendship is the way he puts it. Mm. And he said, the Avengers franchise really represents this well for him. It's a way for my own story to be incorporated into something significant, something that allowed me, no, required me to utilize what I alone have to bring to the table, to find others without whom I cannot be myself and who are in need of me just as much as I am of them, to contribute the little I have and find someone who's not ashamed to throw in their lot with me. Friendship is a sign to the world that goodness still exists, that we are not abandoned, that there's a home we can come back to, that we can find the strength we need to make it through the war that life in this world is. This is what I crave possibly more than anything. And in this saga, the Avengers, I found a voice for that craving. Our hope in the light of all that we've lost is to stick together, to cling to Christ and one another. That is amazing. I know, right? Can I just copy paste that from my answer <laughs> to Anthony's question previously for what mentorship teaches you? Because, wow. It's beautiful. All right. This week, I've got the beta tester on repeat, which is Crazy About You by Plum and Dave Aude. I 
I'm happy that you guys chose this one for your on repeat because if you didn't, I was going to make it your on repeat <laughs> and just lie. So That's awesome. Here's the thing about the song. When I describe songs as big, this is what I'm thinking of, right? Like mm. it just sounds like a big fun song. Yeah, yeah. And just like the chorus of take another chance. Take another chance on Milo. Like I butchered it. I'm sorry. It's a good song. I, we so all know what you're talking about. Good. There's and a lot of energy. There is so the much song, energy yeah. behind there it. There is. I found that when I'm playing the song in the gym and I'm like doing anything to it, it just takes it up an extra notch. There you go. It's got me That's another awesome. uh, five miles on the stationary bike. There you go. <laughs> and um, I don't know much about this Dave Ade collaboration situation going on, but we have played other songs by Plum right? I know of Plum. But yeah. I don't know if we've played any other songs on Real FM by Plum. Yeah. Plum has been in the Christian music scene, though, for a long time. Yeah. Yes. I mean, for a couple of decades yeah. and, and has have, had a number of other Christian music To have hits. something like this come out of the CCM world is kind of cool. Like, yeah. it's yes. not something that I would have honestly expected. I don't know much about Dave Ade either, but from what I could tell from his credits, uh-huh. I don't know that he's done a lot in Christian music. Yeah. Mm. I think he's more of a mainstream music producer. And so it kind of adds a very unique vibe to the song. If this is the direction that we see like sort of CCM artists crossing back into pop, take notes from this because to me this is how you do it. This is so good. The lyrics of the song are really compelling. Mm. I mean it's basically a song written from God's voice Yeah, and I always find those songs really fascinating. I was just having a conversation with a friend the other day about how difficult it can be sometimes to hear the voice of God. Ever since I've had that conversation all of a sudden I've been noticing little moments where I feel like Maybe God really is speaking to me and I'm just not paying enough attention. Hmm. Maybe it can happen through a song. That's super cool. Am I listening? Sometimes I have to ask myself that question. That's cool. If you haven't really listened to the song in terms of what the voice of God may be saying to you through it, Hmm. really encourage you to go back and listen to it again. Because frankly, once I listened to it with that in mind, it was Hmm. pretty arresting. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's this line here. When I look in your eyes, they're magic like the stars in the sky. And I made them just like I made you. What? It's mm. <laughs> so good. Yeah. All right. My personal on repeat is Tadashi and Tripoli with Godflex. Going straight hip hop with my pick this week. <laughs> I am so proud. Aww. Tadashi's new album is a fun listen. If you haven't checked it out yet, there's a number of tracks I really, really love. It's yeah. Awesome. There are a couple in particular, including Godflex, that just they get kind of nasty. <laughs> that like I use nasty in a positive way yeah, like when yeah. it comes to hip hop yeah. music. They get that mean, aggressive like Gritty, feel that like, yeah. yeah, Godflex definitely has that kind of attitude to it. <laughs> Sometimes I need this kind of music in my life. Yes. And Tadashi is probably one of, if not my favorite artist when it comes to this category. Yeah. Tadashi is so cool. <laughs> I just wish I was Tadashi. So like, cool. He's just a cool dude. Yeah. Like, I mean, his voice, his delivery, yeah. like it just is on point. Like everything about it. I love awesome. Tadashi's at his best when he's aggressive. The other really cool thing, though, about this album is that it's incredibly vulnerable when you pair Tadashi, this like big intimidating looking dude with the vulnerability that he shares on this album. Mm. It's a really 
compelling combination. Yeah. That's cool. Tadashi's one-year-old son passed away in a car crash a oh few years ago. Oh my goodness. Tadashi talks about how the last few years since that incident have been incredibly challenging and hard. Mm-hmm. It's gone through some really, really dark times. Mm. And in this album, he, he's kind of reflecting on this valley that he's walked through wow. over the last few years. And he's really, really honest about it. Mm. And again, I just think that this combination of like this hood guy who's really tough yeah. with this like vulnerability and darkness and dealing with anxiety and depression and all the stuff he's experienced. Yeah. It's just really, really good. This song specifically, he says, this song was a, a real moment of God showing up just like when I became a Christian, just like when I was trying to make sure my marriage didn't fall apart. And even now, God showing up. It was through that time that I was like, okay, God, you're going to flex your glory. You're not going to leave me. You're real. You're here. You're present. Nothing's going to change that. Yeah. And so this is kind of a, a celebration of mm. God flexing his muscles to Tadashi and saying, look, all this junk that you've been walking through, I'm still here. Yeah. I've still got you. All right, guys, I think that we messed around and did it. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically how these podcasts work. We had Pretty a much. fourth season of a podcast. There it was. <laughs> that happened. Do we feel good? Do we all feel good about this? Yeah. Good. It's right. a good season. I'm trying to think now about, you know, going and finding some some mentees and some mentors yeah. and some manatees and some mentos and he's going to have an army of children behind him <laughs> before the end of the day. That's awesome. For listening to the Real Talk podcast from Real FM. Catch Real Talk with Anton and Kara from 4 to 7 p.m. live every weekday on Real FM Radio. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent or reflect the views of John Brown University, KLRC Radio, or Real FM.